0: And it's a pleasure to be able to share God's word um this morning. Just super thankful um for my time here at Cornerstone Church. Um it's just good to see us celebrate this morning. This just worshiping and honoring our God with our songs and our prayers. Uh, just thankful for um OG Mo. Um our OG is like a mentor, somebody you look up to for those who don't know what that means. Um but OG Mo, uh, Richard, John, in their absence, um, just super thankful um, for how they poured into me while I've been here, and thankful for the friends uh, the other guys who just um, did life with me. It's just been a pleasure uh, this morning. Um, Real quick, I do have somebody I wanted to shout out real quick. My grandmama came to Atlanta this morning, so I had to shout out looking good. You know what I'm saying? 82 looking like 28, so I got to shout her out. Thankful for her. If it wasn't for her and um, others in my life, I wouldn't be up here right now. Um, So with that being said, let's stand um, for the reading of God's word. Uh, We'll be in Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 6. Uh, Reading from the CSB uh, translation. And it says this. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. For they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. In all of your ways know him and he will make your paths straight. Let's pray. Father, you are so gracious towards us. You are present with us right now. Your spirit is with us, God, and I just thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that your word is sufficient within itself. God, I thank you that you have given us your word, not only that We may know how to live, but to show us who you really are, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for this church and this um, commitment to your word, God, in everyday life, God. I just pray as we gather around your word, God, that you would speak through me, that you would decrease as you increase. God, that you would just move in a powerful way, that our hearts would be gripped by what you're saying, and it would bring about change in our lives, God, where people would hear and see who you are, and the way we live, God. So again, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. A recent study from North Carolina psychologists found this, that most American Christians think that God looks like them. They said, when believers think about God, they perceive a divine mind who is suited to meet their needs and who looks exactly like them. And even though American Christians express a belief in a universal God, their perceptions of his face are not universally similar. There's no doubt that there's a desire for God in the world, but oftentimes We as a people can believe a lot of good things about God without knowing who he really is. Many of us know that we have a need for God, but that need for God comes from what we want from God. But the truth of the matter is, a God that we could add definition to is no God at all. In other words, a desire for God that's rooted in a fantasy about God and not fear of God is false. A quote Dr. Marvin McMickle, he says this, Pertaining to this subject, folks don't think that, folks don't doubt that there is a God, they just don't believe they have to build their world around it. And this is what we see in the book of Proverbs. This type of thinking is foolish. Knowing who God is and doing what God says makes a person wise, not having a few facts about God and deciding who we want Him to be in our lives. When we decide to make God look like us, we deceive ourselves into thinking that he exists only for us. This posture towards God comes from a belief that the God of the Bible is good in some sense, but he needs to be changed and we need to tweak him a little bit so he would fit our um, what, I feel, what we feel like our needs are. But the truth of the matter is, if God is creator, we cannot recreate him. Somebody who cannot change cannot be changed or twisted just to meet our preferences. But the beauty of the fact is, because we cannot recreate God, we can trust in who he's revealed himself to be. And even if we don't fully understand every detail about him, he's called us to know him by faith in who he's revealed himself to be. So this begs the question for all of us, if this God created everything and we cannot recreate him, how do we trust a God that we cannot control? And this is the main point we have for today. We can trust God's heart even when we cannot trace his hand. We can trust God's heart even when we cannot trace his hand. In this text we have before us today in Proverbs 3, we see Solomon speaking to his son, teaching him what life looks like when his life is revolved around God's word. The Bible is not full of a lot of healthy suggestions that just show us a way to live, but it's the holy scriptures that reveal who God is and our response to him and what it should be. When you read Proverbs, one of the key things throughout the text is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is a collection of books that display what true wisdom looks like. Remember this, true wisdom is not just knowing a lot, but it's understanding what to know how you use what you know, and they're actually going and doing what you know. Reading the Proverbs, I can imagine Solomon in his old age sitting basking in the sun with his son on a porch, sharing his wisdom, his experience, his knowledge, his pains, his hardships, his trials, his tribulations as his son just sits there humbly listening to him, soaking up everything that he's learning. If you read the first Five chapters of Proverbs, you'll see that the conversations start with My son, listen to what I say. Listen to what I've told you. Pay attention to my words. Don't forget what I've taught. Solomon knows that holding on to this teaching in the mind will lead to his son accepting the teaching in his heart. And here's where we find ourselves in the first six verses of Proverbs 3. This text helps us understand what. Does the life look like to trust God's word and his will at the same time? And so now we'll look at verses 1 and 2. How do we trust God's heart when we can't trace his his hand? It starts by remembering with our hearts. It says, my son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. Solomon starts this proverb with an exhortation for his son to remember his word and not only remember it, but safeguard it in his heart. This is a charge not to only listen to what's been said, but digest what's been offered to him. Solomon is saying, as you remember this teaching, you will remember who taught you. There's a connection here if you look at verse 1 and 2. There's a connection between the mind, how the mind remembers, and what the heart embraces. How do we understand this? Look at your closest relationships in your life, your best friends, the ones that you spend your most time with. Think about you share each other's interests. You spend uh, moments together. You laugh. You cry together. And over that time, you develop that that friendship. In this, the more information you know about a person leads to a deeper affection for that person. And it's the same with God. Solomon is telling his son, remember what has been said. This information embedded into you will lead to a deeper affection from God so that our hearts would be gripped where we would want to obey God. The father stresses the need to remember because he knows how easy it is for us to forget. Forgetfulness is a part of our human nature. How often do we forget things that we should be concerned about? This is what happens when we become forgetful. We start we start to believe lies above reality. When we are forgetful, we forget God, and we, we we tend to think that we can live our lives apart from what He said. When we forget our roles in our family, we tend to live lives of isolation and selfish selfishness towards them. When we forget our role as believers, we forget our role in our um, sanctification and our sanctification, and we begin to believe that God has promised things that he never promised in the first place. But Solomon in this text, he discards this type of thinking. He puts emphasis on remember what I've told you. He tells his son, never forget what I've told you. Keep what I've taught you in your heart. Commit yourself to remember. He commands him to remember. This is not just a suggestion for his son. This is not him hoping that he will remember and not make the same mistakes next time. He's saying, with everything that is within you, don't forget my teaching. Because Solomon understands this one thing, and it's something that we need to chew on this morning. The truth is that we remember the things we love the most. Forgetfulness is just a symptom of lovelessness. The things we really care about, we don't forget. The things we are passionate about are always at the front of our minds and they fill our memories. And when our minds are filled with things other than God, that's an indictment on our hearts. Solomon, his solution in verses 1 and 2 for a heart-level obedience is not learning new information but being reminded of what's already been said. If you've forgotten this morning, How good God's word is, then your charge is not to ask God to reveal himself in a new way, but to remind yourself how he revealed himself in the first place. How does he reveal himself through his word, through his grace towards us? This morning I would ask you to think about your salvation. If you receive Jesus, think about how he saved you. Take out time today to think about your life, and what it looked like before you received the gospel? What are the things that you were enslaved to that you may still struggle with right now, but you're not enslaved because you have the freedom that Christ provides for us? What's a practical way for us to do this right now? I would ask you, when's the last time you shared your testimony with somebody? When was the last time that you thought back to the moment and and, and what God had done in your life during that time? What was the word that you heard that provoked you to come to Jesus? Did you hear about the peace that surpasses all understanding that is found in Christ? Did you think about his love that covers a multitude of sins? Did you think about the truth that sets you free? What word did you hear that gripped your heart and caused you to repent and turn from your sins? That's the charge we have now, to remember the redemption and think about how God has saved and changed us. Not only share your testimony, share your testimony with yourself. Think about how gracious God has been towards you. Look at your life from then until now and think about how God has worked in your life. As Christians, I think this is one thing that we all get caught up in. We get so bogged down with the process of becoming like Christ that we forget about the progress that has been made in Christ. This is an encouragement and a challenge for For all of us, and for especially those who may be discontent, indifferent, dry in their walk with the Lord this morning. Go back to where you met God the first time and ask him to restore the joy of your salvation. Go back to the cross and be reminded if God has dealt with sin and death on your behalf, he can deal with your mood swings. He can deal with your good and your bad. And certainly if he could do that, he can, cure, he can cure us of our forgetfulness. Church, let's fight to remember what God has said. Because when we, we remember what God has said, we will trust his heart. Remembering God's goodness in his word will lead to a joyful obedience. Go back and look at the change that has come from God's word and celebrate those small wins in your life where you see that God is actually changing you over time. In this, we see Solomon reminding us of the importance of remembering God's commands, and then he reminds us of the reasons why he gives us these commands. So one example of this in my life, uh, I had two great parents uh, who are here today. Uh, but yeah, a lot of times growing up, I would, they would give me rules that I hated. Um, they would tell me to do certain things I did not want to do, um, they didn't want me to hang around certain people and make certain decisions. Um one example of that, um girlfriends I had in high school and college, I would bring them to the crib and um I'd be like, Yeah man, I'm super excited about this. I'm gonna, you know, mom and dad gonna see her and they're gonna love her and then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go from there. And they would come and, you know, mama would cook and we would kick it and all that fun stuff. And <laughs> my mama, she would observe. She would look at how they dressed. She would look at how she talked to me and how we interacted. Um, She would listen to her aspirations and her goals and all that good stuff. And it it, it was a great time, in my opinion. I felt like we were having fun, right? (laughs) And, um, you know, she would leave, and I would text her, and I'm like, man, just so happy you got to meet the parents. And I go back inside, and um, I'm like, yeah, mama, what you think? And... My sister know what I'm about to say. Every time I would say that, she would say that she know Jesus. And I'd be like, I mean, mama, she go to church, you know, sometimes. Um, I done heard her pray a few times, like God help me or something like that. So, yeah, I'm assuming she's a, a Christian. And um, and then she'd be like, yeah, Tim, what, uh, what church she go to? And I'm like. You know, it's on the other side of town. You know, we go to a Baptist church. I think it's like non-denominational or something like that. So, yeah, I don't I don't think you would know where it is. And every time, she would just look at me and she would just walk out the room. And from that moment on, I knew that that was an indictment on my decision-making and that girl that just left the house. Amen. But... The truth and the lesson that I learned from that was I felt like they were trying to strip me of having fun and enjoying my life, but they had already lived a life before me and knew better than I did, so when I finally did, I get out of the house and I start making mistakes on my own and I started seeing why they were telling me these things. I understood that they were not trying to punish me but to preserve something for me. Verse 2 says that God's commands are to not keep us from life, but to receive the life that he's intended for us. This verse says that God's word is so good that it adds days to our life and life to our days. His word saves, it satisfies, it sustains us. The word of God does not only provide eternal life for us, but it provides a greater quality of life in this world we have right now. So with this, one may think that God's word is meant to just restrict us. It's only for closed-minded people. I would ask you to look at verse 2 and look at God's heart for you in his word. Remember that his commands are for us to experience true life in his word, well-being, to add life to our days because God is after our ultimate joy in him and not temporary joys that we can find here on earth. Now listen, this is something that we all need to understand as we look at God's word. It brings joy, it brings life, but it doesn't always feel like that. Sometimes God is going to say things to you that are very hard for you to digest. He's going to say things that you don't necessarily necessarily agree with and you don't fully understand, so you may be hostile towards those things, but this is the truth that we all need to cling to this morning. God's commandments are not to kill our lives, but it's meant to kill something that is depriving us from the life he has for us. Remembering his words, storing them in our hearts, and remember the reason he gives us these commands. He wants us to enjoy the life he's given, and that life is only found in his word. This text gives us instruction on how we see God's heart for us in scripture, and now, Going from there, it shows us how our lives should reflect his heart in the world. Get this, faith in God's word precedes faithfulness to his will. So in verses 1 and 2, we see that God calls us to remember with our hearts. In and three, and, and 3 and 4, he, he shows us how we replicate what he said in our hearts. 3 and 4 says this, never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Our charge is to remember God's commands. In verses 3 and 4, it highlights the character and the benefits that comes from a heart that's gripped by God's commands. This version says, never let loyalty and faithfulness leave leave you. If you look at Mercy and truth lead you. Don't let steadfast love leave you. But whatever word wording they use, this is the point. Remembering God's word in your heart will lead to good works from the heart. Intimacy with God leads to imitation of God, not the other way around. Phrases like tie these commands, tie these characteristics around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart emphasize the overall importance of God's word in our lives. Now, mind you, just in context, the Jews in Scripture would not take these verses lightly. They would apply this in a literal sense where they would tie little boxes containing these verses on their left arms and on their foreheads, and they would fasten them to their doorposts. They believed that that tying and writing Scripture on their bodies would um, embed the word of God in their hearts, and it would shape them and to the people of God that they knew that they needed to be. This tells us that memorizing and meditating on God's word must lead to some type of maturity. Hearing and memorizing and digesting God's truth should in turn help us to walk more consistently and faithfully and diligently in God's truth. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. What's the benefit of this pursuit of loyalty and faithfulness in light of God's word in light of our intimacy with God we find favor with God and people reverence for God in a sense is coupled with respect before men I've seen um, another example I've seen in my life of this is my granddad growing up uh, one of my best friends we spent so much um, time together and um, I always noticed how People who were not like him respected him in a profound way. We grew up, um, he was a a preacher, and um, he just had a a lot of different relationships where I knew people that he knew that may be hostile towards the gospel, but they weren't hostile towards him. People in the community respected him because of his um, generosity and his care for people. And I often wonder, how do you get to the point where people who are non-Christians look at you and, and look up to you? And I often remember him saying this one thing, and I think it's something we all need to remember and we need to really think about. He says, as a Christian, people may not read the Bible, but they're always reading you. Church, reading God's word without growing in godly character is a vain pursuit. James tells us in James 1 that we are to be hearers and doers of the word not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Being created in the image of God means reflecting God in this world. Let me ask you this or let me tell you this first. How you live tells people what Jesus is like. Let me ask you this question. If we are called to never let loyalty and faithfulness leave leave us, if people look at your life from the outside, would they say Jesus is loyal? Would they say Jesus is faithful? Would they say Jesus is truthful, would they say that he's merciful? Favor in this life flows from a life of integrity before God and with men. But this idea of favor, this is not a promise that life will be easier for us as we commit ourselves to growing in godly character. Now listen, the world will hate you, but this is the point. They must not hate us for the wrong reasons. Our hearts must be aligned with God's word so that we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus. When our neighbors hear the word of God from our mouths, they must see the heart of God with our hands. And then they will glorify our Father in heaven. So this is how we want to be faithful and loyal so that people will not only hear the gospel with what we say, but also see it in how we live. Last thought on this text: When you read these words, never let loyalty and faithfulness lead you. tie them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Oftentimes, if you know the Lord in this room, I know you ask yourself this question, and even if you may have not come to faith in Christ, you may have asked yourself this question: What is God's will for my life? What is God's purpose for me? I, heard, I know that's a word we always use. What's my purpose? What is God calling me to do? What does God want me to do? And I think Solomon speaks and he answers that question in 3 and 4. I think he's saying that God is more concerned about our character than he is our careers. He's more concerned about who you are rather than what you do. God is a people, he's bringing a people to himself that by faith they look a certain way and they live a certain way, never letting loyalty and faithfulness leave you. This is my charge. If right now it's hard to trust God's hand because you can't trace his heart, if it's hard for you to see his heart right now, let this text be a reminder that you are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And while you may be waiting on God to show you what um, he wants you to do, focus on who God wants you to be. God's will is not found in a career, not found in a relationship, His will is for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. It's a character thing. Remembering God's word. Replicate his heart through love, loyalty, faithfulness to God and to others. And here we get to verse 6. We go from remembering from the heart, replicating in the heart, and now we're talking about a a reliance from the heart five and six, say this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all of your ways know him and he will make your paths straight. We remember God's word. We pursue godliness in light of his word. And here we're called to trust God. This text does not tell us to stop using understanding as if Understanding is a sinful thing, but we are, because um, we're, we're called to grow in understanding, but here's the problem. We are not to use our understanding and utter dependence in what we understand. Scripture does tell us to, in all of your getting, get understanding, get wisdom. Your Your goal every day should be to know God better and better. But here lies the problem that we all can fall into and we must be careful to avoid. Knowing God and being God are two different things. What can happen if we're not careful is we can equate knowledge about God and knowledge with God. Relying on our own understanding does not lead to trusting God, but now questioning everything he does. Here's a quick illustration for that. For those who have kids, young kids, five or six years old, Say your kid walked into the room and said, your mom and dad, did you pay the mortgage this month? Or did you pay your car note on time? Or how much money did you spend on groceries this week? We got to keep it within the budget. You can't be spending that much money. <laughs> now, Now think about this. We laugh and it is hilarious, but how much more do we do that with God when we ask for information that we don't need access to? If a child came up to you, you would say, no, this is information that does not pertain to you. You are a child. I am the father of the mother. This has nothing to do with you. Your job is to clean your room and make good grades. (laughs) But how often do we come up to God and we question his sovereignty? How much more do we question his heart for us? We ask questions that really show that we won't control rather than trusting in God's control. Relying on our own understanding will lead us to put more stock in our experiences instead of God's sovereignty over the world. This text says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Here's the difference between what we get from immaturity and maturity. An immature person demands an explanation from God. A mature person asks and desires direction from God. What does it look like to trust the Lord with all of our hearts? This is not an emotional pursuit that's embedded in we just trust our feelings um, every day. This is an ongoing acknowledgement and dependence on God's word. Trusting in the Lord with all of your heart points to a firm reliance, a resolute confidence clinging and holding fast to God with all of our hearts. Warren Weir'sby, uh, a Bible teacher, he says this about trusting God. It's a mind that understands truth, a heart that desires truth, and a will that acts upon the truth. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart means trusting in, in God with all that you are. Notice in verse 6 what he says, in all of your ways know him. In all of our ways, we know him, not necessarily what he's doing at every moment. How do we do we do this? How do we get to the point where we're trusting who God is when we don't know what God is doing? How do we trust his hand when we cannot trace his heart? And here's the truth that we all need to cling to this morning. We may not see the whole plan of God, but we see God in the person of Jesus. We trust God's hand, his will, his word. Because we've seen his heart, his mercy, his grace in us through Jesus. Isn't this John 3:16 in a nutshell, for God so loved the world, his heart is spilled out before us, is exposed before us, that he gave his only begotten son, that his hand went out before us and sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What's the gospel message? How can we trust God right now? The gospel shows us that God's heart is with us and his heart determines his hand. Everything that he does flows from his heart for us. Him being a father knowing our needs, his heart is for us and when we understand his love for us in the gospel that leads us for a, a faithful Commitment and dependence on Him in our season of, in, the, in the season of life we are right now. He's seen sinners hostile towards Him, rebellious, enslaved to sin, with no affection, no heart for Him, and He comes and makes makes us His people. And unconditional love led to a sacrificial commitment that Jesus has given us to make us His own, to purify us for His own possession for a people who are called to be zealous for good works. He's made us his own. His workmanship, his um, His people that we created new in him that we may glorify him and know him and reflect him in all that we do. If God did not withhold his only son from us but gave him up for us all, how much more right now will he give us all things? This is something I think we should definitely sink that should sink and soak into our hearts this morning. Every person in here right now, I can pretty much assume that you weren't there when Jesus died. I don't think anybody in here is like 2,000 plus years old. So God, in his providence, provided something we needed before we even knew we needed it. If God has provided what we need before we even needed it, how much more will he provide for us right now in the season that we're in? This is true about Jesus. We can trust him with what we don't know because his knowledge of our need precedes our awareness of that need. Be content to trust God with with things too great for you to understand. He's trustworthy. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Why does He said, give us this day our daily bread because he knows that we need to trust him right now. That we can depend on him right now and then we can trust him on the next day and the next day because he's faithful to provide what we need right now. Be content to trust God and trust in his control because if God's heart has been revealed for us, then his hand is with us. In all your ways, know him and he will direct your paths. Let's fight the temptation to know more than we need to. Knowing more than we need to does not lead to more peace, but it leads to more confusion in our lives. What happens is when we can't trust God, we begin to play God. But God in his mercy, he knows what's better for us, and he knows that we need to know who he is so that our confidence rests in who he is and not our circumstances. This is faith, faith being the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Christian, in this room, you may be struggling with something right now and it's really pressing on your heart and your mind and you're tempted to forget God's promises for you. Your feelings are not aligned with your faith. You are struggling maybe to get in your word and spend time with people and really just trust God on a day-by-day Basis, let me remind you that we live by faith and not facts. We place our trust in what God has said and who he's revealed himself to be, revealed himself to be not in the things that are going on around us. We live by faith, not facts. The truth of Jesus is that we can trust in what he has done, who he is, and what he's promised to do in us and through us. And that's enough to trust him right now. Let's press on to know God and and his heart for us so that we can trust his hand and his promises will guide us. I want to close with just a few quick things for those who do know the Lord in this room. Let this word be an encouragement to remember God's word and think about how impactful it's been in your life. Let us be a fresh reminder of how we should handle God's word. Our intention is not just to know a lot about God, but when we hear and do the word, we see the blessing that God has for us as we grow in him. Our intention should be to trust the Lord and remember what he says. Rest in the fact that you don't know it all and celebrate the fact that you don't have to know it all. Think about this question. Think about it through today and maybe the rest of the week. What areas in your life are you playing God? What areas in your life are you so you, you're so pressed and you're so caught up in this situation or this relationship where you just want to control everything and it's causing you to um, walk in unbelief towards the Lord? Listen to this. The best way to know God's will is to say "I will" to God. God has not promised that he will reveal every single detail of every single thing that he's doing right now, but he has promised to order your steps and give you direction. And let that be enough for us to trust him today and trust his heart when we can't trace his hand. This is also an encouragement and a challenge for those who may not know the Lord this morning, who may be thinking about Christianity, who... It's just hard to look around the world and see all the trials and the hardships. And you say in your heart, I cannot trust his hand because I don't see his heart. If you question how God cares about you, let this be your hope. God then sent send Jesus only to die so that we may have eternal life, but he has called us and he saved us from an empty life here on earth. God has not put you on this earth to live a life void of him with no direction and no hope and no peace. And God's word is meant for your good not to strip you away from life. This is the beauty of Christianity and no other message in the world says this, but God doesn't just give us instructions, but he gives us himself. He gives us us himself in the person of Jesus. You can't name another message that speaks to God having wanting to have a personal relationship with us and not only wanting a personal relationship with you but he initiates that relationship with us this is the hope that you can cling to right now I don't know what your life looks like right now but the life that God has provided for you is available to you in Jesus and my prayer and my hope is that you would trust Jesus to get trust Jesus today because he's proven his heart for you. And if his heart is for you and you see that in Jesus, you can trust that his hand will be with you. Let's pray. Father, you are um, amazing. You're so gracious and kind towards us. Um, I pray this morning, God, even as we leave um, soon, God, I pray that we will remember your word that our hearts would keep your commands, that that would lead to good works from the heart, not to earn your favor, God, but to just live a life thankful for what you've already done on our behalf. I pray that our lives would be marked by trusting in you with all of our hearts, even when we don't have the control, even when we don't know what's next, because you've shown us your heart in Christ. And if you die die for us before we even need it, we knew we needed to save you, God. How much more can we trust you right now? I thank you for your word, God. I pray that it fall on good ground. I pray, God, that you save this morning. I pray that you would strengthen your church. I pray, God, you would just bless us um, throughout this day. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.